0: Genesis chapter 11 verse 27 and just as introduction remember we've been talking about the time between times all summer long we've been talking about the time between times and uh, the the concept that God uses time he uses time to develop character in us and he also uses time to get character traits out of us that are not godly and uh... We've been talking about that, that he will speak to people. God spoke to people in the Old Testament. He spoke to people in the New Testament. He still speaks to people today. He speaks to us in many different ways. He speaks to us through the word of God. He speaks to us through people, through other people, through, through sermons. He speaks to us um, in just crazy ways sometimes. He speaks to us in dreams. God speaks to people. The Bible says that my sheep will hear my voice... And the voice of another they will not follow. Praise God for that. Praise God, He leads us and guides us. Praise the Lord that He teaches us through His Word, He teaches us, and He gives us opportunity then to put those things into practice and to live them out. And and those, you know, living out those things that He's trying to teach us are not always really fun at the moment that it's happening. Because it's a test. It's a trial. It's it's things that are developing character in us and removing character traits out of us. I don't even have to talk about the whole analogy of of the the silver being refined, the silver and gold being refined. Um, The Lord showed me that early on, and I was like, oh, this is such a neat process. Well, this is so exciting how God does this in us. And then he started doing it to me. It's not so exciting at that point, because the way that he, do, he, he burns that dross out of us is he turns up the heat. I mean, life turns up the heat anyway. But when God uses that heat to, to bubble to the top, you see who, what, what you really are inside. I mean, that gold looks good enough. When I was in college, we had to, um, I did some foundry, had some classes in foundry work, and we would heat up aluminum. And the aluminum looks like aluminum, Right? Until you heat it up and stuff starts coming to the top. And you have to scrape that off. Well, the same thing with us. You turn up the heat in our lives and start, things start coming to the surface maybe you didn't know was there. Or even worse, things start coming to the surface that you knew was there and hope nobody else would ever see it. That's the bad ones. So last week we started talking about or we, we we finished up talking about Joseph. Joseph's time between times. How God used that that period of time in his life where he went through some pretty rough things. Some very rough things. He went through, you know, his brothers selling him into slavery. I mean, you think you have bad relatives. You know, <laughs> brothers sell him into slavery. And then he, you know, that that's bad enough. The the co-worker is the you know, his boss's wife stabs him in the back, lies about him. He goes to prison for a number of years. But God still did what he said he would do. That's the amazing thing. God will do what he says he'll do. All the way through. Absolutely. Guaranteed. No doubts about it. If God said it, it's going to happen. Amen? So this week, I want to start talking about Abraham. Abraham, I actually talk about him a lot. As I was putting this together this week, I was thinking, you know, I talk about Abraham a lot. It's not like I need to retell the whole Abraham story. Because we talk about it a lot. He's the perfect example of time between times. Many of the Old Testament characters are. And we use him especially because, you know, he's the father of faith. He's the father of faith. He, you know, when the, you know uh, I didn't just say that. I mean, I just said it. But in Romans, the New Testament, <laughs> I didn't just say it. Never mind. It, it doesn't I wasn't the first to say it. Thank you, sweetheart. Putting the emphasis on the wrong syllable is always, uh, is always a problem. Um, he was the father of faith, and the Bible says he was the father of faith, and be- because he walked by faith. But when you look at his whole story, and as I re-looked at his life this week and, and you know, prayed about, how, Lord, how do I you know, talk about the time between times that isn't a, just a rehash over and over, all of a sudden some things came to light, and I was like, oh, that's exactly what we need to know. So, turn with me, if you're not already there. To Genesis chapter 11, verse 27. The story of Abraham, the story of faith, starts before Abraham. It actually started with his family, or his father, uh, the father of his family. Genesis 11, verse 27. This is the account of Terah's family line. Terah became the father of Abraham, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran became the father of Lot. While his father, Terah, was still alive, Haran died in Ur of the Chaldeans, in the land of his birth. Abraham and Nahor both married. They named The name of Abraham's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah. She was the daughter of Haran, the father of both Milcah and Iscah. Now Sarai was childless because she was not able to conceive. Okay, very important. We all know the story, but it's important to see they say this up front. They knew early on she was not able to conceive. When we really get into Abraham's story, he's 75 years old. She's 65 years old. She's 10 years younger than him. And this, this story, you know, they're, they're, they're establishing the fact she couldn't have children. Why? Because she never had children. I mean, if, you, if the natural order of life carries on and, and you, you know, the husband and wife are together for all of those years and they haven't had children by 65, they're not going to have children. Ish. There's always this percentage. That's kind of like virgin births. Is, you know, <laughs> never mind, I won't go there. <laughs> just follow it along. And I'll just, there's some times when you just need to stop and walk away. Exactly, that's what I was, (laughs) abstinence, 99.99999% effective, okay, never mind, (laughs) bad joke. Now Sarai, verse 30, was childless because she was not able to conceive. Verse 31, Terah took his son Abraham, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of his son Abram. And together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. Very important line. Notice that. And set out together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. Haran took his family and they were on their way to Canaan. Interesting. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Terah lived 205 years and he died in Haran. Abraham is called the father of faith Romans 4 16 and 17 says therefore the promise comes by faith so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring not only to those who are of, of the law but also to those who have the faith of Abraham he is the father of us all As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed, and God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. Now, Abraham obviously was the father of real, physical, tangible nations. He was the father of the Jewish nation through Isaac. He was also the father of the the Arab nation through uh, Ishmael but there were also other sons and daughters that became nations. So if it was just that that he was talking about, that that word to Abraham came into being. Miraculously, he had children in his old age. That word was fulfilled to him that he would become the father of many nations. But this verse in Romans is also pointing out the fact that he became the father of another nation, another kingdom, and that is the kingdom of God. By faith. He is the father of, the, of us all. He's, he's all of our fathers. That's what Paul is writing to. He wasn't writing to the Jewish nation. He wasn't writing to the, to the uh, Arab nation. He was writing to Christians saying, uh, Abraham is our father because he was first, he's our father by faith. He believed God and it was accounted to him as righteousness. So, Abraham is not only a physical father of nations, but also a spiritual father of nations. I want to propose to you this morning that Terah, his father, would have been the father of faith had he not stopped. Terah was on his way to Canaan. Now, you know what? It doesn't say he, that God said, take up your whole family and move, go to Canaan because there I'm going to make you the father of many nations. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to do these things, blah, 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 blah. But it looks pretty suspicious, doesn't it? Terah leaves his country, his place of residence, and he leaves and he goes, takes his whole family to, toward Canaan. Go ahead and go to the next slide. And the next slide, and the next slide, and one more slide. Nope, nope, back up. I thought it was sooner than that. It was the, 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 the map? map, oh, go to the map. I should have said that. Why don't you go to the map? That's easier than going next slide. There we go. Now, my first thought when I looked at that is, why did he go so far out of the way? except, that's where the rivers are. That's where the waters are. Okay, we'll give him the benefit of the doubt that, that he was following the water source. He, was, you know, he knew that he was on his way to, to there, but there's a big desert between Ur of the Chaldeans and Canaan. And so he follows the Euphrates River up, and he gets to Haran. But you notice he went a little further than what he thought, you know, than, than just following the river. He could have he turned south earlier, Well, we don't know exactly what the path was. We don't know why he did it. And we don't even know for sure that God told him specifically, you go to Canaan and I'll make you a great nation. But it's very possible. Very possible. Which tells me this. If God says he's going to do something, it's going to happen. Despite us. If he did. If he told Terah, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. Did he? Yeah, through, Abraham. through Abraham. Exactly. Through his other sons, through his, through his other son that lived. God's word will be fulfilled. Is there opportunity for us to thwart the plan of God? You didn't all hear that, but that—that that is, to me, is the right answer. It is possible to thwart the plan of God for myself, but not the ultimate plan of God. God will do what He says He's going to do, despite us. Now, did Terah fall short? We don't know. I'm going to ask him when I get there. So, what was the deal? Were you supposed to go all the way to Canaan? Oh, yeah, shoot, you know, I probably should have. <laughs> We'd have been talking about you. Father Terah had many sons. <laughs> many sons had Father Terah. doesn't rhyme. It doesn't really you know, Abraham. It's not much better. So it probably worked out better all the way around. It <laughs> probably would have. Teraham. Yeah, Teraham. Because he... <laughs> God continued the plan through Abraham. Genesis 12. The Lord said to Abram, go from your country, and this is after his father has died, go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. The Word of God is not short. The Word of God has power from the moment it was spoken until now, and beyond now. The Word of God will not return void. We must read that again. Verse 3, I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse and all people's on earth will be blessed through you that word is as in that word is as active today as it was 5500 years ago those who bless israel will be blessed those who curse israel will be cursed we don't mess with that We don't mess with that. And I'm not being political. I'm being biblical. The Word of God, there are basis for why we live the way we live and make the decisions that we make and and to act the way we act. And they're biblical, whether they're popular or not. Truth is truth. And the Word of God, those who bless Israel will be blessed. Those who bless the people of God will be blessed. And those who don't deserve what they get. <sighs> Abraham's time between time clocks started ticking. Verse 4. So Abraham went, Abram went, as the Lord told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. We have talked that God deals with us between, uh, between when he says he will do something and when he actually does. Now, Abraham had some issues that he needed to work on. This time between time for Abram was a re- there was a reason why God took him through this time between time. There were character traits in him that were admirable. We'll talk about those. But there were also character traits that were not admirable, things that God needed to deal with him on because to be who God called him to be, he needed him to be holy. So Abram, verse 4. I'm sorry, I already read that. Or did I? I did. Verse 5. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions he had accumulated, and the people they had acquired in Haran and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Now, here's the first thing that we need to notice about Abraham, our father of faith, the great father of faith, Abraham. I thought God told him to leave his father's household and his people. And here he starts taking people. Now, is that a technicality? Could be. But it's interesting that when God tells us to do something, we immediately start looking for loopholes. It's human nature. God leads us in a certain way. He asks us to live a certain way. Well, yeah, but that was, that was you know, if he wants us to live that way, well, then our, our culture has changed. And so the expectations on us are different because, no. But Abraham did the same thing. Well, I need to take Lot because he's my nephew. I mean, he's my favorite nephew. I take a lot everywhere. He's been with me from the beginning. But did God or did God not say, "Leave your father's household, leave your father's people"? Says he took a bunch of people with him. He took he took all of his he took everything with him. I mean, talk about when we used to go camping as a child. My dad would. I mean, I could time it. I could time the trip. Do we have to bring all this stuff with us? Nothing's changed. Human nature is the same. Abraham starts grabbing all the stuff. We've got to take this. We've got to take the, the relatives. We've got to take the people, the servants. We're not going to leave the, the servants because who's going to take care of all the stuff? And he starts taking all these people. Do you, you know, when we, if you read on, if you read on to the, the story of Abraham, by taking all of the stuff, by taking all of the people, and by taking Lot, what did he bring with him? Trouble. There were all kinds of things that went wrong. All kinds of things that, that cost him time, effort, resources. God said, leave your household. Okay, that's a very unrealistic, unfair thing to ask, for God to ask of anybody is for you to leave your household. I mean, he gives us responsibilities, right? <laughs> Nobody dares answer any of my questions anymore. Jesus said, Unless you leave everything, unless you're willing to go wherever I tell you to go and to leave everything, you're not worthy of me. He told Abraham, leave everything. Leave the household, leave the people, leave, leave your, your relatives, go to where I'm telling you to go. Abraham was disobedient. Now, I know, I don't know why I'm preaching this, because this doesn't apply to anybody else's life in here. I'm sure except mine. But one of the things that comes to the top when the when the heat starts getting turned up is we find out how disobedient we really are. I know you don't. I'm sorry I shouldn't have said that. I realize how disobedient I can be when the heat when the when the real pressure, when the real switch gets flipped. Yeah, but God, okay. I will do this if I'll do this when you do this, and this happens, and that happens. You know, we start working all these things out. We start going through the mental and theological gymnastics, trying to explain why we're not going to do exactly what God told us to do. I'm stepping on toes. I'm not sure. I can feel it. I feel the, I feel the ouch, but nobody wants, to, nobody wants to flinch because you know I, I guess we all do this to a measure. God says to do something and we fill in the gaps of how it's supposed to be done. God tells us to do something, whatever it is, and then we try to figure out, okay, well, how can we do this and make it fit my comfortable zone, my, 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 my safe zone, my... my Verse 6. I'll move on. I'll give, you, I'll give you grace. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. Okay, what hadn't happened yet? Offspring. offspring. There was no offspring. He says, I'm going to give this land to your offspring. Abram is 75 years old. He has no offspring. His wife can't have children. They've proven it. She's not having children, now she's old. Her. oldish it becomes more and more oldish the older and older I get she can't have children and all of a sudden God is audaciously enough saying to him you're going to I'm going to give this land to your offspring what are you kind of rubbing it my face God that I don't have kids oh come on now but to Abraham's or Abram's credit here he went he did go he did leave and he went he left what he knew he left what was comfortable he left what it was usual he left and he went where God told him to go he didn't do it exactly the way he was supposed to but at least he went we'll give him points for that and I believe God gave him points for that you know what at least you're do, at least you're moving forward. At least you're going where I told you to go. You're, you're at least being obedient in this area. You know what, Abraham? You're on your way to becoming the father of faith. But he still has issues. He still has things that he needs to work on. Verse 10. Now there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was severe. As he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife, Sarai, "Now uh, I know what a beautiful woman you are. My wife has the Sarai anointing. I am just telling you. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Except for the whole having a baby at at 80 thing, that isn't going to happen. But the beauty and the, the no lack of beauty will never leave her in Jesus' name. Amen. We were just having, this is going to embarrass her, but you know, I, I pick on her so much that I need to you know, build her up every once in a while. She's glaring at me. <laughs> we were having supper with somebody we haven't seen in a number of years recently, and they looked at her and they said, this isn't fair. You never get any older. Yes, that's right. She has a Sarai anointing. Men, start speaking that over your wives. It works. I'm just letting you know. Okay, I've said my piece. Women speak that over your husbands, yes. (laughs) Hallelujah. She's grabbed a hold of this. Wait a second. (laughs) Moving right along. Verse 12. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but will let you live. Say you are my sister, so that I will be treated well for your sake, and my life will be spared because of you. You know, this wasn't the only okay let's just say it straight out Abraham was a liar he's a disobedient liar exactly he's a disobedient liar the great father of faith Abraham is a disobedient liar Oh my gosh wait a second here what's going on And it wasn't the only instance. He lied multiple times. If you when you read his story, he lied multiple times. And it cost people their lives. This line passed on to his son Isaac. If you read Genesis 26, Isaac does the same trick to the same guy. Because it wasn't just this time in Egypt, he also, I can't remember the guy's name, Abimelech. He also went, you know, went to, to Palestine and Abimelech was there and, and, and Abraham goes, oh, that's my sister. And Abimelech looks out the window one day and, and, and they're hugging and kissing. At 70, that's awesome. They're hugging and kissing and the king goes, what are you doing? If, I, if some, one of my men had, 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 had you know, married her or is this something, he says, we would have died. What are you doing? Makes everybody not... You know, not You know, that passes a law saying nobody can marry. You know, nobody should touch Sarai and Abram. They're they're blessed. Well, Isaac, a number of years later, is married to Rebekah. And they end up in the Philistine area. And Abimelech is the king there still. And Isaac walks in and goes, she's my sister. (laughs) Parents. You don't want your sins passing on to your kids. You don't. Abraham was a disobedient liar. Genesis chapter 16. Now Sarai, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abraham agreed to what Sarai said. So Abram, uh, so Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years, so now he's 85 years old. Sarai, his wife, took her Egyptian slave, Hagar, and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar, and she conceived. Once again, Abram is trying to fill in the gaps for God. God says I'm going to give you this land and I'm going to give it to you I'm going to to give it to your offspring and Abraham goes how's that going to happen my wife Sarai doesn't have children I must have to do something Sarai comes up with a great idea Abraham rushes into it (laughs) it's a wonderful idea let's go do that so Abraham is not only a disobedient liar he's impetuous he can't wait he acts rashly the father of our faith is an impetuous, disobedient liar. Do you see a pattern developing here? And you wonder why God had him go through a time between times? He had some issues. And it wasn't just little issues, it was big issues. Do You know liars don't get into heaven? It says that in the Bible. You know that impatience is not a fruit of the Spirit? Disobedience, which is really rebellion, is the sin of witchcraft, is as the sin of witchcraft. Okay, these aren't just little uh, oops. Sorry, I, I made a slight mistake here. No, Abraham was an impetuous disobedient liar but praise God God turned him around and that gives you and I hope that God can take us do you realize that he took a disobedient impetuous liar and he had other bad traits also and turned him into the father of faith that we're supposed to now all pattern our life behind if god can turn him around he can turn you around but it's going to take time it's going to take time between times it has gotten really really quiet in here to me this is this is actually very encouraging because I see those same traits in me. I can be a disobedient, impetuous liar, amongst other things. And many times, usually a day, Satan goes, what gives you the right to stand up there and say and do anything? And my answer has become, because I know the word of God, Because it's not me, it's him. Because he gives me the right. Because he's looked at me, he sent Jesus to die on the cross for my sins, my sins are blotted out in front of him, before him, and he's working on me, and he's using the things that I have to go through day in and day out to make me into the man that he's called me to be. Because we'll find, from Abraham's life, the biggest test that he had to go through wasn't leaving his home country. The biggest trial he had to pass was not telling the truth in a dangerous situation. The biggest test he had to pass was about 15 to 25 years later when he had to make a choice to obey God. He proved in that test He was no longer disobedient. And he he showed during that test that he was no longer impetuous. He made a decision to do exactly what God said, exactly how God said to do it. But it had to wait until he was about 116 years old. God isn't worried about time. If, if, if he has called you to do something, you will live until it's done. As long as you don't stop. As long as you don't stop trying to move forward. As long as you don't stop trying to be obedient. As long as you don't dig in your heels and say, I will not go any further. Here's where I stay here's who I am from the, till the day I die. At that point, God says, ah, I'm going to have to do it through your, to somebody else then. Somebody else you've influenced, somebody, somebody else, one of your offspring, whatever it might be. But God will do what he says he'll do. This isn't just a story from 50, you know, 5,000 years ago. This sort of thing still happens today. Have you ever heard of Lester Summerall? Lester Summerall did not start the ships that took food and medicine all over the world until he was 65 years old. That's when he began that ministry. He was 65. The Lord woke him up in the the middle of the night one night and said, go downstairs and just sit sit in your chair. I want to speak to you. And so he got up, middle of the night, he went downstairs. And he sat in his chair. This is in his biography. I don't know if it was his autobiography, but in a book that was written about him said he sat in that chair for hours and he didn't move. And he waited for God to speak. Because God told him, he says, get up, go downstairs, sit in your chair, I'm going to talk to you. And he waited there for hours. And finally God began to speak to him and he says, I want you to start a ministry where you're going to go all over the world. You're going to buy a ocean-faring ships, and you're going to load them with food and supplies, and you're going to take them into war-torn areas, you're going to take them into into needy areas, into, into ravished, you know, poverty areas, and you're going to help people. And I want you to start this now. And he said, he asked God, why did you wait till now? And the Lord's answer to him was this, I can finally trust you now. 65 years old. Started a new, absolutely out of the box, audacious, world changing ministry at 65. He had some things he had to learn. He had some things, he had some some character traits that needed to be uh, worked into him, and he had some others that needed to get out of him. (laughs) But the Lord actually said to him, and it's in the book, I'm not, this is just, it's in the book, it says, God told him, he says, I can finally trust you with the women and the money. You're not going to chase skirts, and you're not going to abuse the money. It took him till he was 65 before God could get him there. There's stuff in us that needs to get out, and we have to let God do it. We have to let him do it. So he will tell you, he will lead you into situations where you have to make the right decision. And if you don't make the right decision, you're going to go around the mountain again. Let's make those trips shorter. And it's not going to be by a a strenuous will of your emotions and a strenuous will of your will. It's going to come by repenting, and it's going to come by giving up, yielding to him, saying, you know what, God, I'm going to blow this test this next one I've got coming up here, I'm going to blow it if you don't help me. Help me, Lord. Help me be who you've called me to be. Help me make the right choice. Help me, help me to walk in obedience. Help me to tell the truth when I'm forced to the next time I, I have to tell the truth. Next, next time I have to be honest. Next time I have to be kind. Next time I have to be whatever it is. Because His call on your life is so much bigger than the trouble you're going through right now. But if you don't yield to him, you will spend time in that trouble for a long time. It's about letting him be God. It's about letting him be the Lord of your life and allowing him to deal with you to where where you can trust him and he can trust you. Father, help us to be like the old Abraham. Help us to to trust you when it absolutely doesn't make sense in any way, shape, or form. Help us, Father, to be faithful when it's hard. Help us to walk in love. Oh, dang. When you put the unlovable in our path. Because, Lord, I know there's stuff in me that needs to get out. And if that's what it's going to take to get it out, Lord, I want it out. I want it out. I want to be like you, Father. I want to be like Jesus. And if that means some of my flesh has to die, then let it die. Help us, Father. Help us, Lord, to grow by your Spirit, leading us, leading us what to say and not say, leading us to do and what not to do. Thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for your word that brings life. Thank you, Jesus, for you. You are the example that we can follow. Thank you for all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. God bless. We need all the chairs stacked again. We can go seven high this time if you want to. And pushed against the front. Yeah, so everything pushed up to the front, leaving everything, just leave the the tables where they are. Put all the chairs, stack all the chairs, push them to the front. Sign up to help this week. God bless. Have a wonderful week.